So, fix the money. We're back again, Nico. How you been? I'm very well, Yale. How are you? Pretty good. You've been uh, very busy doing a lot of interviews. You've been doing some traveling, family time, and we are united once more. Uh, there's nothing going on in the news, right? Nothing, that, <laughs> nothing that's been impacting it's, it's Monday or anything else. Eh? It is Monday morning. I haven't actually checked the news and I haven't actually checked Twitter today. So, so I don't know. But I do want to talk about Emmanuel Macron and the Europeans today after we go through um, the other recent events on the, on the Substack. Yes. So we want to go over to fixthemoney.net. That's where we've been publishing a lot of great articles and content lately, podcasts. Try to do a newsletter and a podcast every single week. Uh, so we've got a couple of them. Man, I don't know the last time we uh, summarized this stuff. I guess we can go to, we can talk about value for value, or we can talk about Mr. Mangold or Peter uh, Saint-Ange. Where would you like to go? So I, I, I think I think we just, you know, the podcast episodes, everybody can can listen to them. We did, we did talk to Peter. I did talk to Peter about, um, you know, Europe and the euro and the dollar and dollar hegemony and um, and this kind of stuff that everybody's now talking about. I've been uh, I've been on this topic for about ten years, I think, and and I know that it's always the same story. It's always the story with yeah, you know, the dollar is basically done, and then then everybody says no, it's not, and then and, you know, and the and everybody's right, you know, in the long run, yes, it is done, but in the short in the short run, it's obviously not. Yeah. Um, but I do think that. The, the European part is a bit misunderstood, um, uh, and, and that's what we want to talk about today. First, yes, I mean, um, the last, maybe European part, I mean, the last article I did was on Njoma Mangold. He's a, a, German, a German author, um, and I wrote about how he's going to be the, the, the perfect mentor, basically orange pill the nation of Germany, because he's not a hardcore libertarian meme lord. He's a, a well-respected author, basically... Well, not from the left, but he talks to the left, and he's he comes from Die Zeit, which is uh, the time translated, um, which is a very Americans would call it liberal paper, right? I mean, their economic section is basically MMT, <laughs> oh, wow. and, but he's not from the economic section. He's from the from the the feuilleton, the the, the culture section. Yeah, I like that. When it seems as if he's a uh, if we were to reimagine it, a kind of Stefan Zweig of yesterday who is now into Bitcoin. I think that's really interesting. To have someone from the literature world, mm -hmm. which this is something that a lot of Bitcoiners have struggled with, is ways to reach out to people in the arts who tend to be on the left, people who come from the creative backgrounds. You know, it's always the technical guys, it's the nerds, it's the money people, it's as you mentioned, classical liberals or libertarians, it's a lot of economists, a lot of computer scientists, hackers. And now to have someone who's actually from the world of literature and language and can actually, he knows how to massage words in a way that many technical people just can't. Uh, you think that is a good avenue for a, a next level orange pilling of the Deutsche Volk? <sighs> I think I think it's important you don't you don't say that can't say that no. uh, I think it's important um, to understand that in, in, in the German media well first of all you don't really say things straight out like you do in the American media and then it's and there's not um, a focus on economic issues basically at all now with the inflation this changes a little bit but it's mostly, you know, politics and virtue signaling. And especially when you go to Germany has a very strong, you know, public sector media, um, especially when it comes to talk shows and, and, and the like. So he's going to be excellent for that. I think he's going to be excellent in these talk show um, that talk shows that, you know, older people are still watching. Yeah. And, and, and also the, like the, the book readers, he already, I mean, he, this is his third book. So he has, he has fans, right? He has people who are waiting for his book and who are going to read anything he's writing. Um, and, and, and he, his story is very familiar to Bitcoins around the world. He just spent, he just spent too many hours uh, listening to Bitcoin podcasts while doing gardening work during lockdown. And that's how he got into, into Bitcoin. But I, I talked to him on my German channel twice and his story is, is I mean, he's a, He's, his family migrated from, from Nigeria, or at least half his family. So he has this, this whole, um, his, his name, you know, Ijoma, he's half black. He's, he's, uh, he's not the, the typical German. 
which also, you know, protects him from the most vicious attacks within the, the mainstream media, obviously. So you mentioned that he had been seeing some attacks. Uh, was it based on getting into Bitcoin or other things or what is that? It's it, So the, the, he gets attacked in the media because he comes from the media and he speaks to... It, 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 He's, because he speaks to he speaks to um, the the um, the public, right? He speaks to to a part of the public that the media thinks they have covered. So he gets attacked from the left, basically, mm. mostly. Um, and then there is all the the other mainstream outlets. But but there is also a lot of a lot of people who think what he's doing is great. And I'm getting I'm getting messages. From, from German Bitcoiners who go to like the bookstore and then the, 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 the lady there would, would tell would tell him, yeah, yeah, we got the book. Everybody bought the book and we're talking about the book in our ladies' book circle, you know. My wife is reading the book. Okay. It's the first Bitcoin book she's reading, right? Wow. So that's that's why I think he's he's going to be great for, for you know, I mean, I don't like the term orange peeling, but you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. Orange peeling. So uh, that is on fixthemoney.net. Meet the man who will introduce Bitcoin to the German mainstream. And um, definitely, I've seen a lot of interest from a lot of the German and Austrian plebs online who've been sharing this and are very excited. So that is good. Um, in terms of, uh, I had an article on value for value. Exactly. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. So uh, that's more the technical side, right? This is a bit more of the technical side, but a cool innovation that's happening thanks to the Lightning Network. So uh, those of you who are listening to Fix the Money on your modern podcast apps have been sending boosts. I know, Nico, you've been getting boosts for uh, Was Bitcoin Brink. You've been getting sats, messages, people who are loving the interviews. Uh, this is kind of only one element of value for value. And the, the article just kind of details some of the tools, some of the apps people are using and where it could be useful. because. It's obviously very insular right now to podcasting. And it's like, well, okay, great. I don't have my own podcast just yet. I'm not like every other Joe Schmo. However, value for value means anything. And Gigi is very good on this. If you have a service or a product, you're able to offer that for SaaS. Uh, I think I wrote you, we're trying to find a, a farmer uh, who's going to offer us some great meat. And so how is that going? How is that going? It's good. So a lot of people who are farmers who are selling their own meat direct to consumer, they tend to be very skeptical of, you know, traditional banking systems anyway. Yeah. So you have an avenue. Uh, it's just about getting them to understand Bitcoin and then more so lightning and how to use apps. I think that's that's the whole thing, because it's it's one thing to get someone on board theoretically. It's another to get them using the tools. Yeah, well, the thing is that I. I always see the same thing. If I talk to to farmers, you know, so I would go I would go to the countryside with my with my family, right? And you you, you book something on Airbnb, and then you would get like a, a small hut on some farm um, where they make some money on the side, right? Um, and then you talk to, the, to talk to them, and then you talk about you know because they all have um, you know solar power, right? Because you get you get all the all kinds of money for putting that up. You have some some, some solar panels there, and you ask them you know where the power goes when they when when they don't need the power right and they they sell it to the grid yeah and of course they get a shit price right and then you tell them you know how you could mine bitcoin and th that's the, the beautiful thing about people who work you know with the with 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 the soil right and with the seasons and they re they, they understand immediately they don't need a, like they don't need to read seven books and and and, and like a thesis or whatever um, and they're not deterred by a New York Times uh, hit they, piece article. They do not. They do not <laughs> give a shit about the New York Times hit piece article. Actually, yeah, and and they, they they realize this immediately. So, and I have this theory that I that I that that this is actually something that you see everywhere in Bitcoin. That people, like the the, the tradesmen, the people who work with their hands, work with, with like with a connection to real stuff, that they actually get it quicker. Um, and and I, and I said this on my on, on, on one of my German podcasts, and I and I, I I did a shout out to everybody who was listening to this while you know plowing the field and working on the machine, and that and I got so many like messages back saying, "Hey, hi from the field." So it, it it might it might be true. It's of course it's just anecdotal evidence. But um, back to value for value. So I think you know once you start, you realize. How, how well this works, basically. Yeah, and you can do it for absolutely anything. And what Bitcoin allows you to do, and you can do it as easily as just getting a lightning address, is putting that on anything that you put out into the world. And if you happen to have a 
craft, a skill, if you have a product, if you have something that you put out there into the ether and people have find value in that, they can send you value back. So it's worked a lot for podcasting. We have not yet reached the tip of the podcasting top 10 in terms of sats earned, but uh, thankfully, you know, we, we've got some people who have been boosting and we'll send messages and everything else. Uh, but it also comes down to, you know, other media. You have music as well. And I've been messing around with the music stuff. Um, my friend's band in North Carolina putting his album out on the Lightning Network to where people can send sats to it. People can send boostograms. I mean, that is, it's all just starting. And this is all just protocol level with crappy looking HTML websites. We just have to imagine what it'll look like once it's an app. Something that looks beautiful. So from the from the from the broader economic perspective, I have to say that what I see here is basically just the market, you know, giving the finger to all the AML, KYC bureaucracy and the craziness that's going on, um, and just finding new avenues to, to for creators because you have this situation where you everybody can anybody in the world with an internet connection can now you know do stuff. Uh, but but the money is is lacking, right? And I mean, we don't have to talk about how Bitcoin is going to fix the world immediately. But <laughs> in this in this scenario, I think it's it's uh, very clear to see that that you know, and and it's not just about making money immediately. It's basically about seeing that there could be something there that there is because you get there's a whole different you know motivational level when you when you get feedback and i see this on youtube when we get um, comments on youtube and immediately you know boost your confidence so so i think this is gonna go far because because you know basically we, we i mean we're sitting here in vienna austria right now and we of course everything do, doing everything by the book but we could be sitting in um, on some you know island in the south pacific you know sipping cocktails and talking about bitcoin yeah, <laughs> and it will probably be cheaper and warmer um yeah but so so it is getting there and i think it removes the gatekeepers that's the most important part because yeah. the enemy so-called is not necessarily just the government it's also corporations it's middle managers it's all the different layers and artists know that specifically they have to have a booker they have to have a manager they have to pay spotify x amount and they get five cents or one cent per play and there's all these different layers that are between your audience and you your customers and you and i think that's why this direct to consumer whilst we've never had the ability to scale that's something that bitcoin and lightning specifically help do so that's at least one thing I'm very bullish on. I want to see that a lot more. I mean, I've I've given out the recommendation for my barber in Vienna who accepts Bitcoin now to a couple people, and I'm happy to do that more and more. But at some point, all the barbers will accept Bitcoin. Every you know sort of farmer who wants to sell their meat will be accepting Bitcoin. There'll be all of these different layers of our society and economic actors that will do it, and it'll be to their advantage, and it'll be to our advantage. Free exchange. Exactly. And, and you, oh, you have just, you have to always, you have to wait also for the next generation, right? Maybe because, maybe the old farmer doesn't want the Bitcoin, but his son does, right? Yeah. Or his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have very good meat here in Austria. Very true. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's why the McDonald's isn't like half bad. <laughs> um, a promo code for McDonald's, by the way. No, we don't have that. Um, so let's go to... <laughs> So we have some of the interviews as well. You you meet her. Uh, you mentioned talking to Peter Saint Ange, and you talked to Knut. Knut van Holm. Yeah, why Bitcoin will win. I think there's a lot of good energy there. Very positive vibes. Knut is amazing. You have to listen to the to the interview if you haven't yet. It's very good. The and good then, thing uh, about interviewing people is it's you, you know if if I have if I'm in a good mood then then it's gonna work. You know if if if. Because the people in Bitcoin, especially people like Knut, you know, they always have something interesting to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, and, and the interview with, with, with Peter um, Saint-Ange, it was also very interesting because he's, he's basically, you know, um, come onto the scene right now. And he's, he's now publishing a video once a day on YouTube and Twitter. Um, and he has very, let's, let, let's say, I, I, what I've seen with him, um, and I don't, I, I mean, I, he's probably right, but... His his views, of course, like any uh, American economist, are very American centric, if that's a word, um, and that's not Amerocentric is the Amer term I use. Amerocentric, but um, but and that's not like 
that does not um, it's not special to him. It's, it's what you see all the time. I mean, you can probably find um, you know you can probably find economists in in the U.S. who will be surprised when you tell them that the euro is still a thing, right? Because in 2012, when the euro crisis hit us. Um, 2010 to 2012, many American economists would say, okay, that's it, that's done, the euro's done for, you know. Um, and now we've entered um, a second strange phase for the euro, um, which means it's not done for, it's still growing when it comes to the, the size of uh, the, the number of countries that are, you know, in it. Croatia just joined the euro, but at the same time, um, with the with the the, censors, the censoring of the, the Russian um, um, currency reserves, the euro is now basically a, a dollar 2.0. It's a Western currency. You see, you see um, not only Russia but basically the whole um, Eastern Bloc. Let's call it. Uh, it's not only de-dollarizing. It's also de-euronizing, which of course is not the idea. The idea of the euro was always for them to use the euro when they want to get rid of the dollar. Um, and 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 China and Russia actually did a deal on a huge deal on, on gas deliveries um, in and they did that during the Olympics shortly before um, the invasion of the Ukraine um, and and the, the currency they would use was was to be the euro I think it was a signal it was a signal to Europe you know go with us now they switched to to rubles and yuan and and Russia is is in the process of, of you know kicking out the euro from their sovereign wealth fund their currency reserves and and any usage um, this, of course, brings us to the next phase, which I think Emmanuel Macron has started now, the French president, when he went to China. And after spending six hours with uh, Chairman Xi, um, he, he, he went on a plane and, and talked to Politico, which is owned by a German, um, Axel, Springer, Springer, yeah. Axel Springer, which is owned by a German um, a company that is extremely uh, pro-American, right? Axel Springer has, I mean, there's yeah. no, there's no doubt there, right? Um, and he talked about, and he talked about how Europe needs autonomy, strategic autonomy from the U.S. How Europe needs to find their own way. And then two days later, he would do a speech about European sovereignty in in the, the Hague, I think. So yep. that's the capital of the Netherlands. It's not Amsterdam. Um, and he talked about the same thing, right? And it was interesting to see how this this story was covered in European media because it wasn't because <laughs> <'cause, laughs> there was there was um, there were hecklers hecklers who who came on the uh, like uh, who disturbed the the, the um, oh okay and that was about the pension protest it was the pe France, exactly yeah. because 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 right now Emmanuel Macron is trying to 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 get a reform through in France um, for the pension system because like every pension system in the world uh, the French pension system is totally fucked um, and they want to raise the retirement age which is the most logical thing to do and we should do the same thing here in Austria but of course the French saw it as an, 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 an opportunity to go and strike <laughs> again and protest and you know you probably know more than I do because because you speak French I don't uh, I think well what has really been the whole point of Macron's rise and ascension and you know there's this always this parallel to Louis XIV, Louis XIV, the Sunshine King. And there's always this idea that here comes Macron. He doesn't have a party. You know, he used to hang out a little bit with the socialists, but he has En Marche. He's his own political party. It's just him. He's going to bring this kind of breath of fresh air. He's talking about reform, liberalizing stuff, more free trade. This was the Macron that was promised six years ago. And then within about a year, he was already mired in all kinds of things. There were crises happening left and right. And those plans kind of went by the wayside. And so just like Obama, basically. It's similar. And I think now, you know, nearing his term, he's going to, he has to figure out how do these numbers make sense? <laughs> and they don't. And I think they haven't made sense in France for a really long time. You have a lot of, of workers who work for the state. You have a lot of money that goes directly into, you know, basically bureaucracy, bureaucracy. And by raising the retirement age, that's just like one small step you can make. France has a big protest culture. Anything that governments do that they want to oppose, they go to the, take to the streets, voice it. Anybody who's been to France or tried to go through Charles de Gaulle airport in the last couple of years probably knows there's a strike every day. 
And it's just Macron who's feeling this heat at home, which makes it all the more interesting that he would start speaking of these large seismic shifts in geopolitics and alliances at that exact moment. I don't know why now is the time. Could it be that a lot of French firms are seeing the impact of Russian sanctions? So I that think, could be one thing. I think that if you, I think you really have to divorce the whole um, politics at home from the big picture. I, I think saying that, of course, he's going to talk about Europe right now because he is in trouble at home. He just wants to divert from that. I think it's lazy. It's yeah, la yeah. it's it's lazy. It's a lazy way to analyze this stuff because because it's not like anybody in France who is on strike now, you know, sees the, the, the speech about European sovereignty and says, oh, right, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to work longer and do what he tells me to do, right? No, 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 no. That's not how it works. So I think, I think that he, well, he, first of all, he was clearly under the, under, uh, under the, the impression spell, of, of, the, of the, the China trip, right? He did bring, um, I think more than a dozen of, of CEOs from French companies. There were huge deals being made. China still, you know, delivers a lot of money, right? And and that's so that's one thing. And the second thing is that he was. Um, I think it's important for like our American audience to understand that Europe is is a lot harder to understand also than the U.S. It's not just that that there is so many countries, but you also have to see what country does what, what country is important for what, right? And France has a very specific role within the European system. And it's not, their role is not to be economically successful. <laughs> That's the role of the Germans, right? <laughs> that the French role is politics, power politics and military politics. So what do I mean by that? So first, so the French can do stuff that the Germans can't, because the French are not the Germans, right? They don't have the Nazi history. They can, they can, they can basically be French and European at the same time. Where the Germans, they cannot be really, uh, um, they can't be really German on the on the world stage, and they cannot. They also cannot be like the leader of Europe because nobody wants to follow them. Um, so the French can do this, right? Um, and they also have an important military uh, uh, role because they are the only one who have the bomb, especially after the UK left. So it's the only one with, with the, they are basically the European bomb, right? Um, and Macron has been, has been the, like, the only one of the Western European leaders who has been very um, consistent with saying, you know, we need to talk to Russia at some point, mm. Yeah. I mean, it's logical, but, but, but he was the only one who actually would, would go as far as saying this. Um, and now he's, he, he went to China and, and he's, I think he's realized that, that I, I think what he said, he said that if, if, if there's going to be a big conflict between the U.S. and China, um, Europe has to be careful not to be a vessel. And of course, he was talking about a vessel of the U.S. Yeah. Europe wants to be the third way, the third superpower which is also what the, the euro, the, the currency was supposed to be. Um, and I think he's right. I don't think, it, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. And, and, and if we have to decide if we are going to be somebody's vessel, I'm going to be, I go, I've got, always got to go with the US and, and not China. But, but, but the thing is that economically we cannot, we're not as, um, we're not totally Western. We're not totally just uh, in, the, in the American sphere of influence. So, so I think he's right. And I think he needs, I, I think he realized that he needs to be um, the guy who does that because nobody else is going to do it. Um, and it's also interesting to see that he went, he went to China with Ursula von der Leyen. So Ursula von der Leyen, she's, you know, nobody likes Ursula von der Leyen in Germany. Um, she's the, the president of, of uh, European, Commission. Uh, European Commission. So three days before she would go to, to China, there would be a story in the Sun, in the Murdoch paper, um, that she's going to be the next head, the next general secretary of NATO. So when I re read this, so my, my first my first thought was my first thought was um, she's done, right? So she's going to, because now that she's been you know, stamped the NATO, if she goes to she goes to China, nobody takes her seriously as a as a as a European representative, only as a NATO representative, right? Um, uh, and, and the second thing is that, that my second thought was actually, 
Angela Merkel is, come, is going to come back. That's oh, okay. that's my that's my conspiracy theory hat right here. But you're on the Merkel comeback train. I, I'm not on the comeback train, but I think that when you look at at the, at the story, I mean Merkel. Merkel, she's also not very well liked in the U.S. because uh, in the in Germany because she's done things like uh, the refugee crisis, like um, you know shutting down the nuclear reactors, which was a bit of, uh, a stupid idea. So well, they just shut them down again. Yeah, I don't so, know. I don't, is it really that popular or anti? I don't know. Fix the money is brought to you by Twenty One Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. Twenty One Bitcoin is a Bitcoin only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2. Fix the money. Nobody knows. I mean, we should right, well, do a whole some thoughts on, on the we should do a thing. whole episode about Germany. So the thing about once Germany snaps, things are going to go very quickly. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. So about Macron, that, I mean, I I'd agree with with many parts of that, and the the simmering sort of domestic crisis at home is just par for the course. It's just normal France, right? It's just something that happens every couple of years. You always have these kind of issues, and France is interesting in that it also has not just you know this kind of more playing politics and military, but they also have overseas territory. Yes. They also have huge influence in Africa. Um, if we listen to uh, Meloni from Italy's you know, <laughs> comments about Macron in France, they have a lot of resource contracts in Africa that allow them to power their nuclear reactors. They have a, you know, they have a lot of these contracts and connections that allow them to be more powerful and sort of step above the European fray. I think it's important I think it's important to yeah. add that Meloni who is the the, the 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 Italian prime minister, right? And she's a fascist. Bonafide fascist. You know, has been a fascist all her year. She's she's hardcore. Um, but the thing is fascist that, who likes Ukraine, by the way. Well, <laughs> This is not a podcast about the Ukraine. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I just wanted to add, I didn't want to disturb uh, your thought, but yeah. I just wanted to add, she, she specifically said that um, Italy apparently had contracts lined up with Gaddafi's Libya, or was it Tunisia? I think it, it might have been Tunisia. I think it was Tunisia. because And then the French intervened in Tunisia to fuck it all up. Hmm. Um, so she has a huge chip on her shoulder about the French oh, yeah. influence in Africa, because uh, there's the Italian influence is probably non-existent. Um, well, they not anymore. No, it's they've basically gotten rid of it. And Libya was like a big uh, foothold for them. But then when you look at Niger and you look at Mali, you know France has active troops there. You know they have active military bases there. They have active contracts. They have you know Macron comes every now and then and talks to the president. But a lot of these countries, you know, are themselves subdued to France because of, of what? The, the colonial franc. The colonial franc, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there's but, a lot of stuff that I know we, we could talk to about that. But, but for, I have to say, I have to yeah. say, I, I mean, I've been dealing with the whole euro monetary stuff for, 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 for over a decade, and I never heard of the colonial franc before Alex Gladstein did his, did his uh, stories about it. Yeah, I mean... Um, I know that there, there's been a couple of people across Africa that I've talked to who, you know, for them, they live monetary crisis every day. For us, it's sort of like this philosophical experiment of like, oh, what could happen here? Or maybe you have something in Cyprus where they cap, you know, how much money you can take out of the ATM. But, you know, this is something they live through all the time. And they have to constantly think about monetary competition. They have to constantly think about what's going to hold value longer. What can I use? What can I send? If I have friends and family abroad, what can I actually use without getting dinged or without getting put on a list? I mean, there's all these different things. And France is kind of this strange overlord in those situations. 
So that's one element. And then you've got the stuff at home. What I think is more interesting is that the entire reason Europe works as a social welfare system is because there are American troops, there, because there is NATO that guard this continent. That allows most of these countries to underspend on military and defense and to spend way more on social programs. That's the, the bargain that has allowed Europe to have these amazing welfare states, yet you have basically your U.S. troops or NATO troops generally that provide protection. Marco Rubio, when he heard Macron's comments, said, well, what's it going to be, Macron? Are you going to be with, with us or are you going to be with them? Are we going to take our troops out or or what? But that's exactly now. Now we're really getting to the yeah. to the, the gist of it because, of course, Macron knows that the U.S. is not just going to pull the troops out. Well, they have their own reasons for being there. Exactly, yes. yeah. exactly. It's not it's not like the U.S. is in Europe and is 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 protecting Europe just out of the goodness of their heart, right? <laughs> if if the U.S. I mean, in a, in a very very um, theoretical scenario where where you know the EU would go to would, would work with Russia and China but not the US on the political sphere um, it is very very bad for the US it's not I mean because because you, we can go into the whole um, heartland theory and and Brzezinski and whatever but basically you know you you don't want to use lose Eurasia and you don't want to use lose uh, uh, Europe specifically because there is still money to be made here um, and there's still you know some kind of future for Europe I think um, <laughs> but 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 uh, and 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 you see you see that that the, I think you see with the euro you see that Americans do understand um, that the Europeans want to get out of their, um, you know, I didn't want to get out of the American sphere of influence. I think that would be too far, but they want to do their dependence. They want to do their own thing, right? They want to do their own thing. And, and when you look back at, at 2010, 2012, uh, during the Greek crisis and the Euro crisis, the European sovereign debt crisis, right? Um, European politicians would complain about American ratings agencies all the time, which was basically a code for, you know, Washington is fucking with us, yeah. um, and and they were, you know, um, and but at the same time, you know, you also have the problem that you don't want to get too close with the Chinese because that's also not an option. It's and it's not helpful at all. I mean, they are not, you know. I mean, I don't think you get anything for free from the Americans, but 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 I think it's going to be always cheaper than from the Chinese. Well, the the Americans allow you to do business hire your own people, build infrastructure, and to get wealthy. The Chinese send in their own people. You always have to sign over your intellectual property rights, which many different companies have now learned after many years, that you always have to partner with a local company. There's always got to be a CCP guy who's on the board of this new consortium. So there's a level of control that just does not exist between the liberal democracies. Yes, but of course we do have our own you know, socialist, centralized states in brussels and of course there are people there who want a system like china 100 percent. so that's the next thing so that so you have you have many different factions right you have the nationalistic factions and they and and they are you know divided between each other and then you have the big countries like germany and 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 uh and france who are doing their own thing um italy especially and then or poland right um and i my i I personally, you know, my love goes out to Eastern Europe because they are going to want to, going to be the ones to protect us from going too far down the the road to communism. Basically, I hope, but but um, so there are people in 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 Brussels who want to go down the, the the route of China with the social credit system and the CBDC and the control. But I don't know how far you can go um, this way within Europe. It's hard to say. The, and, and what I also don't know is um, where, what's Germany gonna do, because Germany is is very very it's very very hard to read right now. It's 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 I don't have a grip on on Schultz so far. So Angela Merkel, because the, the thing with Germany is they never it's against their nature. They're actually very direct people normally, but they, in politics they never go out and state anything directly um, because because of their history and, you know, they, they, they don't want to be the bad Germans, right? So Angela Merkel was really, really 
an interesting figure um, because on the world stage, I think that she did very, she did a couple of smart things, maybe a couple of dumb things, but she really, she guaranteed this, basically what, what Macron is talking about. She actually guaranteed this strategic autonomy from the East and the West for Europe. And she tried to play both sides and she, she succeeded. She succeeded um, because you, you can see how she succeeded because as soon as she was out of office, everything just broke down, right? North Stream gets bombed. You know, the, the thing is with North Stream that, where, that so before Angela Merkel, you had Ger Gerhard Schröder, who was uh, from, the, from the socialists. And then Angela Merkel comes in from the, from the conservatives, right? Of course, conservatives with quotes because she grew up in, in, in communism. But um, she... So his, he, he, would, he would do that, like the last thing he would do as chancellor was signing the North Stream 1 contract, right? Because he was afraid that she would not go through with it. Not only did she go through with it, she doubled down on, on Russian, uh, on dependency on Russia. Even when you look at, at, uh, at uh, the, 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 nuclear, the nuclear stuff, right? So why did she shut down the nuclear stuff? Maybe she shut down the nuclear stuff to actually enhance the, 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 the dependency on Russian gas. Right? And now what, they are doing, what are they doing? Um, it's completely insane what's happening right now. They're so, just cutting themselves off from all energy. They are cutting themselves off from all energy. They are basically going back to you know, 1930s-style uh, German... Uh, I mean, the, Ger <laughs> the Germans under the Nazis would find a way to, to make synthetic oil out of coal, right? Because they, they were cut off from the oil markets. Um, so coal is the only thing that the Germans still have, and they still have a lot of coal. Mm -hmm. They can they can they can power they can power. They have gas too, by the way. Austria also has gas. We have enough gas for twenty to thirty years. Oh yeah. But we are too too good to just go and get it. You know, there's we tell anybody in Austria we're going to do fracking, and they think the world's going to end. Well, there are, like when you travel to Niederösterreich, there are plenty of places where you see like natural gas uh, taps, you know, so they have this stuff everywhere. And one, one interesting thing with Austria and particularly the Soviet Union is whenever the Soviet Union negotiated and allowed Austria to be neutral, <laughs> uh, if you actually read the agreement, half of it is just about oil and coal. It's only about energy. It has nothing to do with like the political boundaries or whatever. It's just about the energy and you'll guarantee X price for the Soviet Union for X amount of time. Like it all comes down to the oil baby. And that was back in 1955. Oh. So I can only imagine with Germany and the levels. I mean, you cannot, I, I've, my colleagues and I have been trying to research how much money the Russians have put into the German environmentalism groups to basically protest against any domestic production of energy in Germany, whether that be natural gas, fracking, or nuclear. You know, you can find some of those connections, but it's pretty clear for a long time it was at Russia's advantage. I have no idea whose advantage, you know, is at play here right now. If you get rid of nuclear, the, it's just the coal miners, I guess. The, I mean, the, exactly. I mean, the, the, or, the or it's official... the Indians, because that's where everybody's getting their energy now, because is the, the, from Russia to via India. India. The, well, the Indians <laughs> have, get a get a good price for you know stamping stamping their stamp of Indian approval onto the Russian uh, uh, oil oil stuff. No, I mean, I mean the German public discourse right now is completely insane. Because all they talk about is climate, you know, how to how to, to introduce more socialism to fight the climate, you know that, <laughs> you know that um, that 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 meme right uh, the, 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 from um, Greta Thunberg. It yeah. means where, where the we climate where the weather is your fault. The solution is always communism. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but so that's all they talk about. They are completely obsessed with 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 uh, climate policies. Um, of course, you know. And Macron too, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt, but Macron also mentioned in his speech in Den Haag, like we want to be free to create our own agreements that do focus on the climate. I think it's it seems like a control. It seems like a control thing, right? I don't think he really cares. But so I, th I think that as a European politician, you should care about the climate issue in a way where you 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 use it yeah, yeah. to further you know energy autonomy. 
I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to to in, 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 uh, invest into renewable energy, right? I mean, Austria gets most of its its power from renewable energy. And why does Austria get most of its power from renewable energy? You know the story? Why, why do we have so much hydro energy in Austria? Uh, because... Because after the war, we would buy most of our energy in Switzerland and Germany. And then, and then the, the Austrian government would say, well, that's a stupid idea because, you know, we don't want to be dependent on, on them. So we build a lot of dams. We have lots of water. We build a lot of dams and we have hydro energy, you know. And uh, the miner back there that's running, that's heating out the apartment here from an Austrian company, by the way, 21 Energy. Um, it's running on hydro energy. At least that's what I'm telling people on Twitter. They don't, they don't, maybe it might, it might be, it doesn't matter. But the thing is... Um, the thing is that that um, the German discourse is completely insane. The the French discourse. I mean, they just shut down the the, the the nuclear right. At the same time, the Finnish government is building more nuclear power plants and celebrating it because it's good for the climate. Yeah. The French are of course very very deeply into nuclear because that's one of the the technologies they actually export so they are not never going to get out of nuclear. We don't here in Austria don't have nuclear for another reason. It's it's a long story. Well, it's a referendum. Um, yeah. There was well, we, we, it's actually not that long. So so we built a nuclear power plant and then we had a referendum afterwards and people said no we don't want it. And then now we have we have this nuclear power plant that's you know it's used for movies but it never was never used as a nuclear power plant. Um, yeah, so so that's the story. I think Macron is 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 trying to at least open the dialogue um, and open the discussion in Europe about about um, uh, autonomy from the U.S. And here's a here's a funny thing. Yes, yes, you said that. You know, it's true that it's true that um, we depend on the U.S. for for protection. It's true that the U.S. is is, is a European country culturally still, right? I mean, it's, it's Europeans who went there and built the country. It's also true that we are probably better off with the US in the long run if we had to decide. But the problem is that politics in Europe is so toxic and the discourse in the mainstream media is so um, far gone. You know, people... The, the amount of people who would believe anything that's just not the mainstream is growing exponentially. Sure. And of course, Russia is using that. I think that it's, it's true that there is like Russian disinformation. It happens, yes. But I think that they don't have to do a lot of things because uh, they, they just have to be there and, and wait for people to be fed off, uh, fed up with the with the European system because the European uh, media environment is, is, is completely catastrophic. Um, and, and I can see the differences even between uh, Austria and Germany because Austria is not in NATO. So our, we yet. are a bit... We, hmm? Not yet. <laughs> no, we're not going to go to No, there are now. a couple of proposals now from uh, NEOS and some of the other parties to open discussions on joining NATO. It's not happening. Okay. It goes back to the to the to the contracts, right? It goes back to and also and also nobody's interested in Austria joining NATO because they need they need Vienna to send their spies to to have to, to you know to talk to other spies, yeah. um, and this has been the the, the 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 I mean all the good spies are here, you know. There's yeah. even the, there was even the show with the what's it the net the net, net, net the Netflix show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The agent or something like this. Uh, they recruit the recruit, yeah. I mean, look, all of this, you mentioned the, the different interests in Europe, and that's something that's very hard to convey to an American audience, is that it's not just Macron, and then it's like all the other leaders, and they sit down in a room, and they decide, and that's what Europe is. There are actual institutions with thousands of Eurocrats who have all these different interests always competing. So you have the commission, you have the council, you have the court of justice, you have all these different people trying to speak for Europe at once, and then you have Christine Lagarde, who... ECB, you know, they have their own thing. And you can see, I think what you mentioned, like the people who like Maoism, who like this China model, a lot of them are in the commission. Yes. There's a lot of people there. Well, it's but, called the commission. They are uh, commissars. commissars. <laughs> it's, 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 it's literally, I mean, it's literally so, so. But they're the ones who banned, by the way, the ability for you to use your Apple lightning charger. That's the European Commission. They made a rule that all phone chargers must only be USB-C from now on. But I still have a lightning charger. Now. 
but when you they can't sell it anymore. Yeah, but that, that, that's the thing, and, and that's also the thing with the with even with the European Commission, even with the EU. And so it's it's always harder to be to 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 to, to see like the gray areas, right? But mm. of course, we, that's that's how life is. It's not black and white, and it's not red and blue. It's 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 gray or purple or whatever. So what I mean is, um, yes, it's stupid, yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, they one thing they did is get rid of roaming. By the way, so that you, I can go to the Czech Republic or I can go to to to, to, oh, to Germany. Goodness. Nico, do I need to give you the Austrian Economist example of why the free roaming plan sucks? It made everybody's domestic internet more expensive. You know that. It well, maybe, but uh, whatever. I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying, what I'm the trying small to say wins, is, you know. what I'm trying to say is, it's not only bad saying it's only bad i think would be stupid it's it, it's not only bad it's that there's a lot of competing interests and sometimes people win that are in some you know different political group and sometimes they lose and also you, depends what, on the constituents and it's also important to see that even if you get bored by it by it um, by you know, p people get bored by peace <laughs> so what i'm saying is that you know european nationalism is one of the most horrible um, sources of violence and and death in the history of of the world, mm. um, and and when you look at these these constructs um, disintegrating, like in Yugoslavia, you know, um, war breaks out. In in that regard, actually, the end of the Soviet Union was was pretty well managed, to be honest. Um, because, because, uh, I don't know why I, it's, it's a different story, but, and, and with Europe, I don't think that if the EU would end that you know, European nations would immediately go to war with each other because we still have our national institutions. We did not give everything to Europe. It looks, it may look like that for some people, but it's not actually true. Mm -hmm. Um, what is true is that there is, that there is some sort of, um, you know, there's always one country more important than the other in, in, in the time frame. So not, right now, I think France is very important for the politics. And I think Poland is going to be super important. And Poland, of course, is going to be super hardcore in the, in the anti-Russian um, America camp, right? Which is fine. I totally understand that. I mean, if you look into the history of Europe, it's a wonder Poland even exists, right? Yeah. Um, and, and they had their, you know... They are basically still surrounded by, by historical enemies, um, so I totally get that. Um, and but but at the same time, I think it's a good thing to have that voice as well, and have a, 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 a maybe like if you count Italy as a big country, a fourth big country in the European Union. Um, so we'll, I don't think the EU will dissolve anytime soon. I don't think that the euro will dissolve, but um, we're going to enter a very interesting phase where we have to look at what's happening right and and um and i think that this whole push to a more multipolar world where china uses their currency and the russians use their currency and they start you know they, they actually use the, the the china interbank payment system instead of swiss uh, swift and all that stuff of course europe needs to also be part of that we cannot just rely on the americans forever no or they can rely on bitcoin <laughs> I already, I almost, I almost forgot that this is a Bitcoin podcast. Uh, yes, of course, of course, Bitcoin would be would be the, well, it, the provi solution. it provides the independent path to where you don't have to be reliant on any of those, at least monetarily. You know, you might have to when it comes to military or politics, but so, it, it denationalizes that aspect of the money. It, so interestingly, good. interestingly, um, that's what happened with the euro, right? So, so. You know, go to to any government and say, "How about this? Um, you you lose your power to print money. Um, we give it to some supranational institution. That's the European Central Bank, right? And the idea was to have a, a more neutral money that is not beholden to one state, that does not have the Triffin dilemma, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, then that's why I will, you know. I will have a soft spot for the euro. <laughs> um, basically, the idea was, and this is before Bitcoin, right? Basically, the idea was to have um, uh, a state money, but that is not a government money, 
um, and a money that they, that focuses solely, and I know it sounds stupid today because the, the inflation is crazy, that focuses solely on the, on the price stability and also money that um, basically when, when I think it was Con, Con, Connolly, the finance minister who said the dollar is our money but it's your problem, it's our currency but it's your problem. The idea was to have a currency that's our currency and also our problem but to provide it for the world, to have an alternative to the dollar. And the, the euro is the only currency so far that has come close to competing to the dollar as a world um, um, payment currency, as a world reserve currency. Um, and of course, the Americans hate, hate it. They might warm up to the idea now because, because now we are, the euro is hardcore into the, into, the, into the camp of the Americans. I mean, Lagarde, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, the bans on cash and CBDC plans, I mean, basically any of the transactions that I've done in the past few months would have been illegal. Paying my movers, you know, <laughs> all of that with cash. Can't do it. Illegal. Sure. I mean, uh, if, if, if you want to go down the, the route to, to the road to serve them, um, I mean, the ECB is going to be game, right? Um, and Lagarde is going to be game. And I'm not saying that this is not a problem. I'm just talking about um, the idea that, um, that was originally behind the euro. Sure. Um, and, and, and of course, yes, uh, Bitcoin does it better, you know? Bitcoin does it better than the euro. Bitcoin does it better than um, the the Bancor or any other um, stupid international currency thingy that anybody dreams up, right? Um, and, and the BRICS currency coming up. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I mean, a, that's a whole other episode. I mean, yes. Let's so talk about say. let's talk about the BRICS and. Uh, uh, we'll get that, then, we'll get that another time. Yes, um, because I think we have to wrap it up here. It's, it's been good catching up, and uh, again, we invite everybody listening to head on over to fixthemoney.net. We got plenty of content, articles, videos, interviews. Um, I think you're busy the next couple of weeks. I'm busy the next couple of weeks. So who knows uh, what kind of magic will be found online? And because it's fixthemoney.net, I think it's not blocked on Twitter by Elon's team. I think. I think it, a Substack is also not blocked anymore. I think that's okay, just. Okay, they removed that. it. But okay, they good. Also, did you see that Substack actually removed the, the the option to tweet out directly when you publish a story immediately? Oh no! I yeah, didn't yeah, see yeah, that. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. The wars on uh, social media and online stuff is good. Uh, and if you if you want to get if you want to get one of those sweet sweaters that um, oh, Yale is wearing that says "Fix the Money," you go to yeah. satoshistore.io and you can use the code "Fix the Money" to get five percent off on the whole collection. Um, and I'll put the, the, the links into the show notes, obviously. Got to push the merch. Very good. Well, cool. Um, thanks for boosting. Thanks for being here, everybody. And uh, Nico, let's catch up soon. It was good to talk to you. See you next time. For more content, podcasts, and articles like this, visit fixthemoney.substack.com.